Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We're not doing an intro because we are at another brewery and we're uh, we're back at Hourglass Brewing here uh, in the Hourglass District. I know there's one in Altamont and there's one down here in Curry Ford. We're down in the Curry Ford one. It is a beautiful uh, afternoon right now on uh, Saturday, January 6th. Had some really crappy rain weather come through here and it's actually really nice and it's too warm i say right now it's like 75 degrees i know penny you hate this weather but uh i'm very excited for the uh for it to cool down again but yeah we're here to talk about the magic because the magic had a ridiculously sick win in denver last night and you know despite a tumultuous we'll call it rough past three weeks or so we're still 20 and 15 and we're doing okay uh overall i think in my eyes but penny uh what beer you got? What are we thinking of this? Uh, I know you hate this weather. You want it like about 20 degrees cooler than it is right now. It's like 76 out. But, uh, yeah, what beer you got, bud? I am uh, enjoying an Altamont Vampire, a little sour beer here, and uh, a little hot in the sun, but it is a glorious day and, and made even better by last night's uh, uh, shocking victory. Yeah, can we can we go over this now? Because I posted it on Twitter, and I I said going into the game, had we if we somehow won in Denver, it was going to be probably the best win since I was at that Laker Magic game three years ago, in in L.A. at Staples Center, where it was a Markel Fultz triple double, Vooch got the game winner, but like we had guys like B.J. Johnson and uh, you know Wessel Wundu was getting a bunch of minutes. Um, Gary Clark Jr. was pretty fresh at the time, or Gary Clark the third, I believe it. You know, uh, so we were going deep in the bench. Like Aaron Gordon had like three ridiculous dunks in that game. Uh, thankfully, Aaron did not have a great game last night against us overall. But the game, I think, like this is the biggest, the craziest, the unlikely, like adversity, you know, big time Magic win since probably the 2012. Uh, first round series game one win that we had at indiana i don't know can you think of a better one am i overrating this win like i don't know what do you think but I, I think the lakers game is a good call um i think the the biggest win in in that type of circumstance in franchise history probably is the playoff win and the duhan travel dance that accompanied it the only other one i can think of is uh early 90s in seattle right like the chris corciani game or uh but They've been few and far between because it's really hard to do. Uh, Nuggets played the night before, second leg of a back-to-back, but playing at home uh, and, you know, we're completely depleted. And even the guys that played that they say are healthy might be harboring illness too. So uh, just pretty impressive, the resiliency of the club, especially to come back from down 18 in the second half. Yeah, we'll get back to that in a, in a second. Because um, we haven't done one of these in a little bit. You know, the last time we recorded the Magic, we're 15 and 7, and now we're 20 and 15. So, you know, on paper, we're 5 and 8. But, you know, considering the schedule, considering the injuries, considering, you know, just everything, like, it's it, it's not bad. Like, <clears throat> you know, I, we said it. I, you know, we, I said it. You know, you said it. You know, it was going to be a tough month and a half basically where just the schedule and just quality of opponent it's going to be rough through the end of january basically and if we can somehow kind of write it out it'll we'll be pretty nicely set up for the the end of the season basically but you know when we last potted 
all-star voting hadn't even begun yet. You know, all-star voting began December 19th. It's going to last a month. We're already halfway through voting, basically. Um, from a voting perspective, you know, we already got the first results already. The only Magic player in the voting is Paolo Bencaro, who is 10th amongst Eastern Conference forwards. Um, I think we can do better because he's behind Kyle Kuzma. I know, like, the Laker fans are, are voting Kuzma because God knows there's, the Wizards probably fans aren't probably. But um, I think I wouldn't worry about Paolo Bencaro right now being an all-star. Uh, I think he's going to get in on the coach's vote. No one expected us for him to get in on the fan vote because he's not on national TV. Like, even the Wizards have had an actual national televised game. You know, we haven't yet, um, which we'll talk about that in a bit, too, because there's something else tied with that. But, uh, yeah, from an all-star voting pers- you know, perspective, vote every day. Vote nothing but Magic players if you can in the East. Like, I love Giannis Adetokounmpo. I've not put in a vote for Yanni. Like, it's all Magic guys. Paolo, Franz, depending on which center is playing better, I've been rotating between Wendell, Mo, and Goga, and then the backcourt guys, Cole and Suggs. Although today I voted Trevlin Queen along with Suggs to give Trevlin a vote in there. But uh, there's three for one days. I think the next three for one voting days, like January 12th, there's like two more after that. But um, I don't know. What's your all star game voting kind of perspective? Like, is it what you expected as far as Magic players go? Like, Franz isn't a top 10 forward right now. Uh, maybe I was hoping more of the German vote would come out. Who knows? Because I know the Italians aren't probably voting for Paolo like they might have a year ago. But, um, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, can I just say, as a, as a resident, 80-year-old uh, in a mid-30s body, do you also hate that there's not a paper ballot anymore that you get to stuff in the box at the games? Like, that was fun when that was a thing. Um, in the same way that top three teams have distinguished themselves in the Eastern Conference standings with, you know, Boston and Philly and and Milwaukee. Uh, Same as holding true with fan voting where you have Yanni, uh, Embiid, and Tatum, where just that's going to be your clear and away starting front court players no matter what. Um, And I think it's a astute point that you make that there have been outside of NBA TV, which doesn't count really. There's been no opportunity for any national fan to become aware of Paolo and the success that he's having at such a young age and uh, so early in his career. But uh, certainly, it's no secret here. But it might be a secret uh, in many of the other states, and especially ones where there's no NBA team for them to see him in person once or twice a year either. So. Um, a little disappointing based on his output, but not entirely surprising. And we're looking, I mean, no one's anticipating, no one's thought that, you know, even though fan vote is not everything anymore, that he would be a starter. So uh, if he's not selected by the coaches and in that pool of the, uh, that share of the importance or whatever, of the weight of the selection, then then there'd be a riot. But I don't think we'll get to that point. Yeah, no, I mean... Kind of just like with Jalen Suggs probably being on like on all defensive team ballot, you know, late, you know, come four months from now or whatever. Uh, Paolo is on is like the number one guy on every Magic scouting report. He's getting double and triple teamed. Like coaches know about Paolo. I'm not concerned about him not being voted in um, because he's torched some of these guys. So. Um, yeah, I, I do I do kind of miss the paper ballots, although, I mean, we're saving so many trees and stuff, probably not having them, so I'm fine with that. But the nostalgia of that, that was kind of cool. Um, 
Yeah, the only all-star thing I, I do have to mention is, uh, and it's been a while, but uh, the Osceola Magic's uh, Mac McClung did get an invite to defend his dunk contest crown. So it'll be interesting to see if the Magic sign him to like a 10-day right before All-Star Weekend so that he's officially like in a Magic jersey um, because he's not a two-way guy. You know, the two-way contracts are Admiral, Kevon, and Trevlin Queen. But, hey, depending on what happens around the trade deadline, which is February 8th and before All-Star Weekend, maybe you do, you know, maybe the Magic do something and a spot opens up and you do sign McClung to a 10-day just for the sake of the dunk contest because we've never had an all-star game weekend dunk contest winner and he's got a good shot of doing it um yeah i don't know what, what do you think you think you think we do that or you just think he's gonna write it out and he he and osceola magic jerseys which i'm more than fine with yeah it'll be interesting uh Kevon has not played in a game with the big club this year right no, he has not. He did play last night, though, for Osceola, which that kind of came out of nowhere. So maybe both him and you know, we'll talk about it soon. But I mean, the Magic have a game tomorrow at home here against the Hawks. But Kevon and Jet Howard could be both available for the game. So I don't know if you had any other points with that. I mean, he could be available, but he could also be uh, either playing himself, either you know, by virtue of injury, playing himself out of the two-way contract. That's not a guarantee for the whole season. So they may shuffle shuffle the deck there i do have to clarify and and correct maybe dwight howard won a dunk contest right oh, Jesus. yeah okay right. sorry i forgot about that yeah that was forever ago yeah he should have won a couple yeah and aaron gordon should have won too as well so we have one uh it would be cool again we have not had a ton of success at all-star weekend so uh it's always nice to see some what would you feel any sort of pride if Mac McClung won the dunk contest this year as a member of the Osceola Magic? Would that do anything for you and your fandom? Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, like, he seems like a good dude, and I mean, he's he, the guy can play. He can. I, you know, I, I, yeah, sure, I'd have pride. Why would you not? You just not not care. I, I mean, I don't know if it would move the needle for me as a fan. Like, it'd be good for him as a on a personal note, but I don't know that it would be worth anything. Would it mean more to... Here, here's the question. If they sign him to a 10-day contract before, would it mean more to you than if they didn't and he's just an Osceola magic man as opposed to an Orlando magic player? I mean, I'd like him to play like some garbage time for the parent club at least, you know, um, just, just so that it's really official. Because uh, there's been other guys in the past that kind of got screwed uh in that way where they got signed but they didn't really play uh but no i i think it i think it makes a bigger difference if if he signed for for the parent club or if he played you know he signed the 10 day or played for the orlando magic plus if he signs the 10 day i think you can get stuff involved and i would like to see and i've already mentioned that i think i tweeted this out but i want to see mac mcclung dunk over ikea with like stuff standing through the sunroof or the moonroof whatever you want to call it holding a ball up for him and if you can even get it where the the kia is on like a rotating showroom thing and it's turning so it's not the hoverboard you're literally turning the kia and he jumps over that i kind of want to see that so that's why i I would prefer to see him in an actual orlando magic jersey than osceola i don't know if you got another calendar point to that or not no, I want to see that now. Can we? Who's? Do we? Does David Moss still? Is he still around? Where do we get a? I have no idea. Um, but 
I mean, I know it's Greenway and like City Kia. Uh, don't buy from Greenway. They're they they're corrupt folks. Uh, they 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 overcharge the shit out of you. Don't get anything from Greenway. But um, yeah. Anyway, all right. Enough about that. So the other thing that's happened a couple weeks ago now uh, on December twentieth, the Amway Center officially became the Kia Center, or as what I will continue to call it, the Kill Center. Um, Look, it's obvious. It's a better. It's a, it's a better name. It's a better partner than having Amway Center because Amway is a pyramid scheme company and whatever. And I know the DeVos families made all their money through that, but it's it's a pyramid scheme for the most part. So having an actual legitimate company like Kia that's not trying to scam you. That I've had my Kia Soul for twelve years, and I love that car. That car has been amazing to me. Uh, but I will call it the Kill Center because Kia's logo. It's K-I, and then instead of an A, it's a lambda. And a lambda in Greek makes it sound like it's kill. So I'm going to call it the kill center. But um, not a great, crazy fan of Kia's current logo right now either. It looks pretty cool in the arena. Like, I like the white. It's better, again, than the Amway Center signage. Like, the Kia signage as a whole, like, actually looks better. Um, We'll see if... Kia, you know, what that Kia money does as far as maybe improving like a Jumbotron or whatever, because that's due for an upgrade. Uh, but I, I've got no issues with Kia. Um, you know, there's some people that were bitching and complaining about it. Like, it, it's fine. I like Kia. Kia's been good to me. Um, but yeah, it's going to be the kill center until Kia gives me like a free car or something. How about that? Yeah, I have, uh, I have nothing. I've owned a Kia Amante, so I have nothing against Kia. Uh, it's a solid brand to be associated with the Magic. It's not the Kaseya Center like Miami. You're not getting a tech startup in or possibly in and out uh, as the naming sponsor and partner. So uh, no complaints on my end. But I, again, it's been 13 years, 13 and a half years a lot of new buildings have popped up since the Kia Center debuted. And I do think the Jumbotron is a necessity in the near future. And can you can you go back and remember the first time that we were in the uh, at the then Amway Center and saw that Jumbotron for the first time and were blown away by it? And now it's like puny and uh, graphics aren't as good and technology moves quickly. Yeah, what, what does Denver have? Ball Arena or ball, the Ball Center? I think it's Ball Arena, but like they've upgraded their Jumbotron. Because, I mean, that used to be, what, the Pepsi Center, and that stadium is way older than us, but they've upgraded their Jumbotron, and it just looks better. Um, I mean, it's it's still, like, our Jumbotron, like, it's fine. It's fine still. Like, it's mostly, like, it's working. But, yeah, I mean, when we first debuted, you know, visited the, the arena, like, it wasn't ready yet, you know. And I can still remember getting, like, vertigo from like how steep being up in the upper bowl was um but yeah that jumbotron was sick and you know it's crazy it's crazy that that building's been there for 13 years already i would say it's not aging well from a from an outside like architect artistry type perspective like i think it's like a plain box for the most part inside it's it's fine i feel like they can always do more with it um it's tough because you have just so much more just kind of empty open space that you, you can't literally do anything with it, basically, because it's just empty open space. Uh, cause, but it's four times bigger than the old arena was and the arena was. And so, you know, it's it's fine. I, I have nothing. I have nothing else. To, I don't know. You got anything else to add for the arena or are we good? All right. We're good. So, all right. Let's talk about actual magic stuff. So it's been it's been a challenging three weeks, we'll say, because, I mean, I'll go back as... T- 
to that Boston back-to-back. We were in Boston. Like, we got smacked pretty hard in Boston twice against the Celtics team that was tired of losing to us. And Eddie House's puny ego was uh, – or, I guess, big ego, puny kind of pride, whatever type uh, person. He's he, he likes to trash talk after they win. Um, I'll just leave it at that. But, you know – it's two losses in Boston against at the time was the best team in the NBA. They still technically could be the best NBA uh, team in the NBA, but uh, I am still furious about our home loss to the Jimmy Butlerless Heat on December twentieth. Like we didn't have enough effort that night, which is unacceptable against a rival, you know. But we and then we almost pulled off what would have been a hell of a second night of a back to back win in Milwaukee. Like Jonathan Isaac was awesome defensively that night. Uh, we gutted out a, just an awesome win in Indianapolis. Like just an like we've got the Pacers number. It seems like we barely beat Washington in D.C., which is really where the trouble is really kind of showing itself. Was basically even though we beat the Wizards, like we barely beat them. And then second night of back to back in Orlando, which we went to that game. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, we got blown out by a Joel Embiidless uh, Sixers team. So Patrick Beverly got the last laugh on that one. Um, and like I said, we were inside Kia Center for that. We almost did a pod after that, but we, we chose not to. But, you know, we had no Paul Porter for that game, no Corey Arkin on the mic, so that kind of doomed us. Um, I have a question, and I I pointed it out, and I think other people kind of agree with me, but why is our music so loud while we're on offense? Like, defense, sure, it's fine, but, like, I noticed in that game in particular, our guys could not hear each other on offense. Is that just a me thing? Am I getting older and my hearing sucks now? Or, or I don't know. What do you think on that? I mean, I'm perpetually old, and uh, I guess Steve Kerr feels the same way about the music that's blaring in many of the arenas across the league. But it's loud, man. It's uh, and 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 the cuts are bad. Like they're they're letting the songs go on too long. Now, here here's a, a bigger question in that same vein: the Magic, on the whole, as an organization, for the last 35 years, very loyal, a lot of internal promotions and growth. Is it time to start talking about Simon the Music Guy? Uh, get some fresh blood in there. The The songs go on too long. The music's too loud. I understand that it's an entertainment product, right? We're not selling basketball, so you have to have something going on the whole time. But comparatively, we've been in a lot of arenas. Like Other arenas are not exactly like that. Yeah, it's... Man... Simon has been there since like day one too. That's the thing. It even like the music choices, I'm not a fan of. Like we haven't had like a. I don't even know if he plays a part in this, but we don't have really great intro songs except like the old throwback ones, um, for videos and whatnot. Like, it, we, like we've gone away from even playing like the classics. Like if you played the classic like in-game music, like that'd be even better. You know, if you go back just 20 years ago and like just start playing that stuff again. But just you're right. Like there's, there's just a lot that needs to be improved on with that, and I'm hoping Simon gets this feedback and s- starts tweaking stuff around a little bit. But um, I'm with you on that. So uh, going down this list of games, still, you know, um, we toughed out then like a solid home win against the Knicks, which was our first home victory ever in what is now the Kia Center, and uh, what is now called the Kia Center. That was our first win with that building being the Kia Center. And then we started this West Coast trip, uh, New Year's Eve in Phoenix with a tight loss. You know, the Suns had Beal, Durant, Booker, Nurkic all together. 
But we win that game if we could hit an open shot late in that game. Like we we just could not hit open shots, and we lose by I think five in a game that you know we should have won. And we've had some really tight losses that are kind of biting us in the ass here a little bit in the standings because we're tied for sixth right now, where we could be fourth. We're like the Pacers are fourth right now all of a sudden. Um, and we lose in Golden State to a Draymond Greenless Warrior side that was. That was a frustrating defeat because if we were just a bit sharper in that game, we may have actually comfortably won that game. Instead, we let I, what I thought the ref screwed us in that game, and then Steph Curry just rained threes on us late to just bury us. Um, I thought we could have won that game. And then I don't know if you want to chime in on any of those games or if I should just move on to the Sacramento game real quick. The, the Knicks game was huge and indirectly might have been the worst thing that we've done all season because it prompted them to make the OG Ananobi trade. I mean, uh, coincidentally, but immediately after that loss, they haven't lost since that trade, which has uh, contributed to kind of that bunching up of the middle of the pack where basically four through eight, four through nine, depending, uh, it's probably going to be neck and neck the rest of the year, you, you would guess at this point. Um, so... The biggest thing that I've seen, we, we, manpower is low. Obviously, we went out west most recently. Uh, free throw shooting, we get, to the, we get to the line, lead the league in getting to the line, leaving a lot of points on the free throw line game in and game out. That has been masked most recently with hot shooting from the outside. But the defensive slippage has been concerning even when we're at fuller strength than we have been most recently. No, I agree. Like, even... Even when Isaac was playing here and there or whatever, like there was slippage, but with him gone, like it's it's a big loss. Wendell, we'll talk more about, I guess. Well, I guess we could talk Wendell now. We can talk center now because he's he's just not who he was last season. And I don't know if the plantar fasciitis is flaring. Like he's got this right knee tend his, his he's got this knee tendonitis thing that I guess apparently is contagious from Fultz. I don't know, but you know he came back from the broken hand basically a broken finger and he just has not been there and like he's there but he's he's maybe like 70 percent of what he can be and you know he had that he had a great game off the bench recently but other than that like he's offensively not been that great like he's either not shooting threes or when he's shooting threes he's not hitting them Interior-wise, and you mentioned when we were at the Sixer game perfectly where he does he's not a very great vertical player, and when he does try to get vertical, he loads up basically. Like it takes him a second to jump up, whereas like Goga and Mo, because they're taller and maybe a little bit quicker to jump, I guess, because they don't have so high to get up to the rim, like they get up there way quicker than Wendell, and Wendell doesn't, and that leads to him missing a lot at the rim. Um it's almost, I mean, if we're going to get Wendell, like this Wendell, the rest of the season, I'd rather just sit him out and have Goga and Mo just kind of get it going until Wendell's actually back. Because in hindsight, we should have had Wendell playing two weeks in Osceola or something just to find himself because this has not worked out for him. And if he's not healthy, which, you know, whether this tendonitis thing with his knee is legit or they're just sitting him out because he's not playing well, we don't, we're not going to know that unless Wendell admits it or not. Um, but the struggles are there with Wendell and I love him. He's the new, he's Horace Grant version 2.0 and I wish he'd wear his goggles more. Maybe that would help him again and more a bit more, but, uh, 
he's gonna he's already in trade rumor buzz because fans are impatient about him and the media who thankfully hasn't been paying attention too much to the magic games they have him be on the trade block right now and it's tough to not go against that if the magic can improve elsewhere and you've got both doga and mo playing better overall than than wendell then you got to look into that and i've you know this trade deadline is a month away it's february 8th it's it's coming up um My idea and my thinking has been the Magic aren't going to do anything serious. Like, they're not going to trade one of these core top eight, top ten guys. And that might change because of injuries, because of just a wide variety of factors. Um, And Wendell, I feel bad because I jinxed him coming up with that podcast episode two months ago, three months ago. It was October where... I we made the very valid case that he was a top ten center in the league, and he is not a top ten center. He's like he was a top thirty center. He might not even be a top fifty center at the moment the way he's playing. And I'm done, Ren Penny. You you come in with your better insight on the whole center situation. Are you more comfortable starting Goga? I guess at the moment, if if all three guys are healthy, is Goga the guy you'd rather start at the moment at center? Yeah, which is shocking to say as a guy that was cut last year and out of the rotation coming into the year, right? Like, uh, there's a lot of egg on our face from the preseason podcast about Wendell's league-wide rankings for sure, but I want to go back to your point where you go, it's not the Wendell of last year. It's not, I mean, Wendell has a track record with us that is spans more than a season. He was great for the last two years, not just individually, but the two-man game with Franz and uh, we've seen none of that. So, and and don't sugarcoat it either. He got off to a slow start before the hand injury, but he's been objectively bad uh, since his return, and it's been highlighted by the fact that Gogo's been great in that role, in the starting role, and <laughs> Mo's having the best season of his career off the bench, probably due to the Ingles impact that you know. But we're committed to Wendell financially a little bit. And you're in the same way that Golden State's looking at track record of Clay Thompson and Kevon Looney and everybody else. Like, there's a track record for Wendell that when he's right, he will, has, and should continue to help the team. Uh, But again, as we talked about at that game, he's a different physical type of physical player than Goga or Mo in that he's explosive, but he's got to power up for it. Whereas Goga can catch, keep high, and finish with a dunk. Wendell's got a pump fake to load up. And we're seeing that difference in the results, at least now when we presume that Wendell is not close to being fully healthy. Yeah, so, all right, let's talk these last two games a little bit here. So after the disappointing loss in San Francisco to the Golden State Warriors, second night of back-to-back were in Sacramento. Cole Anthony is out for that game, you know, hip thing which thankfully he played in the Denver game, but that's still hurting him, the hip thing. Um, Franz Wagner sprains his ankle five minutes in, and we know now that after MRI, he the, the Magic had a press release that he was going to be out until whatever. They had another update, or depending on how he recovers from from rehabbing, which means he's probably out a couple weeks at least, um, With which is just a big blow because – you know, this whole time, this whole season, we've had Paolo and Franz both healthy. Like, everybody else has been hurt, basically. But Paolo and Franz have both been healthy. And, you know, we almost lost Paolo in the third quarter of this game, too, this Kings game, where he just, you know, 
Keegan Murray got under him basically and took his ankle out and uh Paolo was very unhappy about that but that ended up surging Paolo on to get really angry and pissed off and put up a career high 43 points and what was a double overtime thriller um but yeah we lost Franz five minutes into this Kings game like you got to give credit you know obviously Paolo again career high 43 points but you had Anthony Black early on especially then you had Suggs Chuma, Caleb, Trevlin Queen, man, former G League MVP. Uh, those guys just all brought Paolo support. And, you know, Paolo almost had his third game winner of the season a couple times during this game. And Paolo is doing, like, a great Tracy McGrady impression these last two games. Like, if you look at Grant Hill, you know, Grant Hillis uh, Orlando Magic games in the – 2000 through 2003-ish reigns with Tracy McGrady just doing just crazy things. Like, it, it's it's very similar to that. It, it's just, it was just an insane effort all around in this Kings game. Um, we hit a franchise record 25 threes in, in this double overtime loss, which, you know, we set the record, uh, what was it, 23 in Sacramento back in 2009. I think we tied it again in 2022. Yeah, Jeremy Richardson was the trivia question there for a long time, for about uh, 13 years, basically. But, um, you know, the refs made some awful mistakes throughout this game that ended up costing us and got proven cr- that they did screw up in the last two-minute report. Um, yeah, what, what? like this Kings game – like we lost the game, but and you hate to talk about moral victories, but like that was that was insane, and that was like the complete opposite with the Magic too, because the Magic they don't shoot threes, they don't make a lot of threes, um, they usually get it done at the free throw line in the paint, and what we're seeing here these fat past few games is the Magic because of these injuries are shooting a ton of threes, and they've been making a good clip. They made twenty five in Sacramento, and we'll get to in a second, but they made seventeen in Denver. But this Kings game, man, like. What, what do you think about this, man? Because this was insane. I, well, first I want to say on the shooting that I I, I don't think it's going to be a trend. I feel like it's a blip, right? But And there must be something about shooting in the Sacramento arena that agrees with uh, at least our team. Um, the biggest takeaway f- for me from that game and lumping it in with the next game, which we'll talk about in further detail too, is – it's time to eat crow on Jamal Mosley officially. Is that fair to say? Like it's it's time to eat crow. They're playing for him uh, one through fifteen, one through eighteen, and frankly, whoever decided to give Trevel and Queen a two-way spot probably deserves some credit at this point too for uh, you know figuring out how to mine. Uh, I guess I guess it's not mining if he's the G League MVP. He's on the top of the heap there, but. Uh, you know, sifting through those marginal players and deciding who is going to be on our roster for this year, who will agree to play with us. So that that's worked out nicely. And it's fun to watch and support a team that appears to care if they win or lose, care for each other, and put forth the effort every night, regardless of whether they're favored or not. Yeah, I mean, like I have to go back to basically – the Harden Hustle team, like maybe one of the earlier Dwight teams, maybe like 08, 09, honestly. But like you have to go back to like the Harden Hustle teams to see kind of this type of like camarader- camaraderie and just this kind of everyone's just together. 
Like there isn't one pissed off guy right now on that roster, which is really hard in this league in this day and age to pull that off. And yeah, I mean with Mosley, I mean we had already kind of turned around on Mosley, but like for lingering doubters or haters out there, like I he's good. Like no matter what happens the rest of the season, like he's good through that for sure. Um and yeah, I mean it's just this 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 Kings game was just absurd. Like you know, I know there's the other podcast that kind of broke down all the sequences and all that, so you don't have to hear that from us, but just Paolo just is not scared of the moment. And he's kind of figuring out kind of like how 2000, 2001 McGrady started figuring out because McGrady was 21 years old when he found out quickly he wasn't going to have Grant Hill. And literally, because he also said this again on the pod squad, where basically, you know, George Galanti's asking T-Mac, like, was there like a coaches meeting or something about like what the plan was without Grant? And T-Mac was basically like, Doc just said, just step up, take over, just do your thing. And this is what's going on with Paolo right now. And we're, the scary thing is, is Paolo's doing it. Like, I'm sure there's going to be some regression. He's going to tire out eventually at some point because he's young and he's still building his body up, even though he's built like a Mack truck. Like, he's – that kid is unbelievable for 21 years old. Like, he's – like, when we talk about, like, strength of, like, rookies and sophomores, like, you have to go to, like – I can't even compare Dwight or Shaq because those guys were technically almost skinny in comparison to him. Like, this is a strong-built kid. And, you know, Paolo's just a stud. And I don't know, you got any other thoughts on this before we go to the Kings game or any Paolo stuff right now? Because, I mean, we, we can praise him the rest of the time. I don't care. Yeah, and this is going to lead into the next game, but I feel like we have to say it at least once or twice. Like, Paolo, the frustrating thing about him from a fan perspective is he's getting to the line so much every night, which is great. Starting to get some calls, maybe not every call that is deserved shooting 66% from the line, but he's got that gene, that clutch gene, that that whatever it is, that trait for the heightened focus where there's a body of work now where when he's on the line in crunch time, he's making both. He's not splitting the pair. He's not losing focus and, and missing one. And that speaks to superstardom in a way that even some of our best players previously haven't been able to kind of climb to that upper echelon of, of mental fortitude. Yeah, no, definitely. Like this kid is not phased. Like it's, it's freaking awesome. He's, he's a stud. All right, let's get into the Denver game. So last, again, we're doing the Saturday afternoon. So last night, Friday night, we were in Denver for the final game of the West coast road trip. Uh, what I guess you can't call it West coast cause Denver's not on the West coast, but of the West trip, uh, where we found out again, we officially found out Franz was going to be out a while. So that's in everybody's head. Like, you're not getting Franz back for probably at least the end of January, at least. We don't know the grade of the sprain. Like, is it a grade two sprain? Is it a grade three? You know, it's not a grade three. It's either grade two or grade one um, or maybe grade three. I confuse them, whatever. But it's either he's out one to three weeks or he's going to be out three to six weeks most likely. If it was worse than that, then something would have been torn and they would have mentioned that he had to get surgery or something or whatever. So we didn't get that. So, uh, And by all accounts, Mosley seemed to be pretty upbeat about the news where he's like, I think we got the best news that you could get out of this. So I'm assuming at minimum Franz is going to be out probably through the end of January, which is tough because our schedule through the end of January is really tough um, and really difficult. But yeah, with this Denver game, I mean, we were out of gas and just out of bodies, and we still played an awesome game. I mean, from the get-go, Wendell 
because the tendonitis, I guess, or maybe it's a confidence thing or whatever, was ruled out. And then Goga got ruled out because of illness. Some people were saying it's stomach diarrhea related. If it wasn't and it's something uh, that you that is contagious, I just don't understand why those guys would be on the bench. Because um, Goga was definitely on the bench. Uh, Anthony Black ended up succumbing to his to the illness four minutes into the game because the Magic had nine healthy bodies, and then after about four minutes and forty seconds, we had eight healthy bodies the rest of the game. And by healthy bodies, it's Suggs limping all around the court and Cole grabbing his hip like he's a 55-year-old that needs a hip replacement, like Jeff Turner's got one. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we were down to eight healthy bodies. Um, Paolo, again, he he follows up a career-high 43 points with this first career triple-double that he got in the third period. He didn't need the fourth quarter to get this this triple-double. He ends up putting up this crazy 30-point triple-double. Um, Suggs, who we didn't talk about in the Kings game, hit a bunch of threes in the Kings game, hits a bunch of threes in this Denver game. I think he's hit 13 threes these last two games. I think he had six in Denver and seven in uh, – in, in, uh, or sorry, six in Sacramento, seven in Denver. So the seven is a career high for Jalen Suggs, duh. Um, and, you know, he had seven, he had seven to nine on, from three. He, I think, was six of twelve in Denver, so seven to nine from three in Sacramento. He, um, that percentage is almost up to forty percent now with these past two games. He, uh, God, man, he defensively, him and Trevlin Queen in that backcourt defensively. Like once Black went out, like Queen just stepped up, man. And the crazy thing is, you know, Queen won MVP because of his offense, and that hasn't come around yet. I got a feeling if he's getting minutes in this Hawks game on Sunday, like he might get double-digit scoring in, the, in, in it, depending on minutes and who's healthy or whatnot. But, you know, Mo Wagner bounced back from – if Mo had a decent game in Sacramento, we probably win that game. But Mo didn't. But he made up – more than made up for it in Denver where he played awesome defense overall for the most part. Like he offensively had a double-double. He almost had a 2010 double-double. He kept up – fairly closely to Jokic offensively like it wasn't like a gigantic gap between him and Jokic which was massive because he was literally the only center like we had Admiral Schofield playing backup center like come on and Cole Anthony after missing the Sacramento game had 23 in Denver off the bench which was huge which I'm liking the haircut as also um Jalen Suggs is gonna have to shave his head but uh Cole's haircut I like it um what yeah, I mean, we closed the the game with our best lineup. I thought I thought Mosley actually he finally went with the closing lineup I actually wanted for a change, and he went with Mo, Paolo, Queen, Suggs, and Cole to close the game. Queen and Suggs just had that absurd defensive sequence along with Mo at the end between uh, Jokic and and Jamal Murray and all that, and you know we did it like unbelievable, just gutsy one twenty two one twenty win in Denver. We finished the road trip one and three, which I never thought finishing a road trip one and three would feel so good, but we did it, and I feel pretty damn good after that. And with Paolo, here's the list of players with a 30-10-10 and three steal game before turning 22 years age, uh, 22, 22 years old. This is the list: LeBron, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, and now Paolo Bencaro. Like. That is an elite of elite list to be on. And, yeah, that's that, that's the Kings game from my perspective. Or, the, yeah, from the, the Nuggets game from my perspective. I don't know. What, what, do you, what are your thoughts from the Denver game, Benny? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest takeaway, I think, is the confidence up and down the roster for me. So, like, Caleb's coming in without any hesitation now, uh, which is the best way for him to be successful for the team is to catch and fire. Hallie even made some plays and showed off the mid-range in the Denver game. Uh, aside from the Jokic spin move on Mo, Mo did great. Uh Good, well, he did well, uh, and obviously brought offensively. The shooting splits are pretty crazy for him this year, especially uh, you know two point field goal for percentage wise. The thing about Paolo, the most impressive thing now with what appears to be again the con the the, the rise in confidence with his three point shooting is he's now really. You know, they talk about a three-level score. Essentially, he's a four-level scorer now. He's he's confident from deep. He's got his kill spots in the mid-range, either pull up to the mid-range or fall away jumper. He's got the height to shoot over the top of anybody. And to your point, he's a big motherfucker. So he's going to overpower you to get to the rim where he will either finish or or draw more fouls where he's getting to the line and presumably will get to the line more. So... If one facet of the game is not working, he's got two and a half other facets to go to now that he completely, apparently, completely appears to trust now, uh, which I think speaks obviously to his work ethic and, and what he's been able to accomplish, but how much confidence we should have in him and the team moving forward, only solidified by uh, an unexpected win that you would think we'll get somebody back for Atlanta, maybe a couple people back for Atlanta. And normally, you know, we've talked about that first game back from a West Coast trip at home is hard. Uh, we might be able to kind of pull some momentum from that win, keep it going. And Atlanta's on the precipice right now, too, of, of a couple more bad losses and, and they could blow up their whole situation. Yeah, look, while we won in Denver, Atlanta lost 116-150 to 150 in it in indiana like indiana just whooping up on that hawks defense that non-existent defense so there's an opening there they might trade some guys you know murray maybe even trey young himself capella like there's guys that they're this close to blowing it up and tearing it apart because quinn snyder can't save that ship um no we shouldn't trade for trey young no we shouldn't trade for zach levine um like if we get one or two guys back, I feel really confident against Atlanta. And even if we don't, like, we got a shot. But the problem is, is we're going to have to make a ton of threes. And just that magic crowd, one way or another, that magic crowd better be just hyped Sunday. Like, you better greet the fuck out of our guys Sunday, whoever's going to that game at Kia Center on Sunday. Like, because they, they need it. They deserve it. Like, they need to feed off our energy because they're tired. They're low on manpower. Like, some of them probably still are sick. Like, who knows? But, um, just give them all the energy you got if you're going to that game Sunday. And, yeah, I mean, from a – I mean, we could talk about the injury perspective now, I guess, because I got the list from, you know, Wendell, he's got that knee tendonitis. We already talked about him. But, like, I don't know what's going on with Markell with his knee and his tendonitis. Like, he's questionable some days. He's out some day, You know, he's listed as out some other days. Gary Harris is in and out. He's got a right calf strain, which scares the shit out of me because I know what that feels like. Um, like, that could be really bad. And, you know, Fultz and Gary, their their contracts are up in the summer. Like, they're free agents in the summer, I think. Could be, you know, I know Fultz is. Gary, I think, is too. But um, 
Kevon, maybe we get back. Oh, we mean we maybe we get back Jet Howard. We might get back uh, just to have bodies on the bench at least at a minimum. Ingles, my guy, I, my my Franz Wagner jersey and my Joe Ingles jersey came in a couple days ago. They both look great. Fanatics didn't screw up my order, so thank you, Fanatics. Um, but we've missed Ingles bad. Like Mo Wagner suffered with Ingles not being around the most probably. Um, with that left ankle sprain, so I hope Ingles is coming back soon because we could use his ball handling and just his his poise and just his experience out there. Isaac's in and out. He's got a right hamstring strain now at the moment. Um, his contract becomes guaranteed for the season in two days, I think, or four days. I think it's the 10th. So, um, yeah, today's the 6th. So in like four days, I think that contract's being guaranteed. I don't expect the Magic to uh, – to do anything drastic with him, like it's it's gonna be uneventful. Like the day's gonna go by and he's gonna be guaranteed for seventeen instead of if you wave him now, he'd get seven basically. So, um, but you know, we need him on the floor. Like if he can't stay on the floor, you can't trust on trust him in the future. I don't think so. Um, and then Franz is out. So you know we already talked about Wendell. I mean. We can easily talk about Franz because, I mean, he's another 20-point scorer that we're, that we're missing out on. And without Ingles and without Isaac, you know, we – who do you – do you keep slotting Chuma to start? Do you start Caleb? Do you experiment? And maybe if he's healthy, do you try and start Wendell next to Goga? Like, what are we – what are we thinking from, like, a starting lineup perspective, Penny? Because, um, yeah, I mean – there's a lot of ways you can go. I mean, maybe you start traveling Queen. I don't know, but because uh, I mean, Queen's kind of earned it, and it'd be cool to see get him get his offense going. But um, I mean, which of these injuries is really like the most concerning? Because for me, it's obviously Franz is number one, but Wendell's high up there, and then definitely like Fultz and Ingles for sure. It's just we we're there are long stretches in these games where we're missing out on ball handlers now it's worked out because it it's meant Paolo and Franz have had to do more but now you don't even have Franz now for a couple of weeks so just you need a steadying ball handler because you can't rely on Suggs and uh and Cole to really do it because it's just not it's just not how they contribute like I'd rather have Trevlin Queen handle the ball more than Cole and 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 uh and Jalen um I don't know what are your viewpoints on that yeah, that's the crazy thing in this most recent stretch with Jalen is you'd almost rather him be a catch-and-shoot player because you, you can't fault the effort, but, man, he really speeds himself up, shall we say, uh, and makes some questionable decisions in that way. I'm, I'm tempted to say that the biggest injury issue is Ingles just because of how that the domino effects of that on the second unit with for both Mo and Cole, making it easier for Cole to do what he does in the second unit and have some of that playmaking responsibility, shoulder the load with, with Joe. Isaac, you can't count on. He's been great when he's been healthy, but you can't, that's nothing new, the injury issue there. Uh, and even if Fultz comes back and that pushes Anthony Black to the second unit, I'm not sure that that's the best fit with Cole if Ingles isn't there. Yeah. So... I, I agree with you, I think, yeah. Uh, we have a lot of pieces, but it's going to be interesting to reshuffle the deck if and when everybody gets healthy because the same way that we won nine games in a row will not be the same way that we can rattle off nine in a row on the second half of the year, right? Yeah, and I mean, look, the schedule doesn't get much easier. Like, 
You really got to win this Atlanta game. Um, plus, we owe them for the fucking Mexico City game anyway. But um, we should and can beat Atlanta. Like, it'd be great if we got an extra body or two for the uh, back for that. Um, but then you got Tuesday the 9th. We got Minnesota here at home. Minnesota is arguably the best team in the league right now. Um, and then you have Friday the 12th and Saturday the 13th. Just a tough back-to-back in Miami and then in OKC. Yeah, you got two days before that to prep, but that's still a rough back-to-back. And Miami's figured it out, and OKC is rolling of late. And so that's tough. And then the 15th, MLK Day, I will be there in Madison Square Garden uh, when we're playing the Knicks. So it's it gets tough. Uh, it, it continues to get tough the rest of the month. Like... Um, so, again, I don't know how long we're going to be able to keep relying on threes. Probably not very long because that's just not our thing. But, I mean, they're leaving us wide open. That's the thing. And so if they're leaving us wide open, then we're, you know, you got to shoot them. And it seems like we're gaining confidence, so maybe we'll keep making them. Who knows? And if they start taking it away from us, then we'll be able to get into the paint again. But until then, we just got to keep raining threes and hope, uh, hope they keep going in because they're open looks. But, I don't know. Any final thoughts on these games before we get into uh, the Shaq Magic jersey retirement news, Penny? I am going to echo your point that a one and three trip has never felt so successful. Uh, we knew it was going to be rough. We've hopefully weathered that stretch, and now we're prepared to weather the next. And glad the team's back home for at least a couple days. Yeah, I mean, look, you, being home, we've been good at home overall. Like, that crowd's just. It's, it's Sunday, it's 6 p.m., like, you just got to be up for it, and you definitely have no reason not be up for the when the Timberwolves come to town on Tuesday as well, but, um, all right, we got the, uh, well, first Shaq, about a week or two ago, leaked it himself that he was getting his jersey retired by the Magic, uh, he shacked it on his pod, that's fairly new, um, I think it's him and Jared Greenberg that are in it, I think, or Adam, or Lefko, it's Lefko, that's who it is, that's on there, but, um, and then the Magic officially announced it that Shaq is getting his jersey retired uh, after the February 13th uh, home game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is on TNT, which is our only nationally televised game because NBA TV games don't count. Um, it's our only nationally televised game at the moment uh, that's, that's that we're scheduled for, February 13th, and... I guess the one good news about the Shaq thing is there's no way the NBA is pushing us off national TV now, no matter what happens injury-wise or whatever between us and OKC. Like, you know, last year we got screwed because Chet was hurt and they took our our game off with them off TV. And uh, that can't happen this time because Shaq's a TNT employee and he's getting his jersey retired in the post game. Although the scheduling of that's weird because they're the back the the sec our game's at 7:30 on the February 13th and there's like a I think a King Suns game. I think at 10 p.m. that 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 night. So there's no time for TNT to show the post game live. So uh, I don't know how long that ceremony is going to be. I would expect that the Magic PR folks are bringing in as many former Magic players as possible, or at least having them bring in, uh, having them do a lot of video messages for Shaq at least. Um, all right, from the retirement jersey perspective. I'm still surprised that the DeVos family has changed their mind on this because the whole purpose, too, of the Magic Hall of Fame, which has been in existence for about a decade now, the Magic Hall of Fame, 
you know, Nick Anderson and Pat Williams were the first inductees into that. Shaq's been inducted into it. A bunch of guys have now been inducted into it so far. But um, the whole purpose of the Magic Hall of Fame is the DeVos family just did not believe in uh, in retiring jerseys, not until we won a championship, which I was actually fine with. I was. Um, because we haven't <laughs> – I mean, we've, we've had four – and it's about to be five, at least with Paolo, I guess. But we have four undeniable stars in our franchise history, and all four of them have left on not the greatest of terms, be it the player's fault, be it the ownership's fault, be it the front office's fault, or being a combination of all that stuff. Um, and I don't mind the Shaq retirement, but, again, it's weird that it's just a 180 kind of thing. Like, they, they succumb to pressure almost because Shaq was asking for this and the fans on Twitter have been asking for this. I don't know if the Magic fan base as a whole was asking for Shaq to be the first jersey retired. Um, I think Nick Anderson or Nick Anderson should be the first jersey retired. We can have a discussion on that. Um, there could be an ulterior motive here with uh, with Shaq being the first. Like, we're going to find out there's some type of partnership or maybe Shaq buys a piece of the team. Who knows? Maybe he buys like a 5% of the team. I don't know. But, um, yeah, before we talk about other Magic players who could get their jersey retired, what what do we think about the Shaq stuff? What do we think about the retirement thing in general? Uh, whoever's at that Magic game on February 13th, apparently every fan's getting a replica jersey. Uh, Shaq replica, rec, a replica jersey. Hopefully it's better than like the past like mattress barn quality jerseys they gave out. Like I remember, I think I still got the McGrady one somewhere uh, that was sponsored by Mattress Barn over 20 years ago. But um, yeah, what's your thoughts on the Shaq stuff, Penny? I, I have thoughts in three areas, so I'll try and keep my my train of thoughts going. But the the interesting thing about Shaq is that for a lot of people that either weren't fans in the early 90s or don't know the history like is he deserving of getting his number retired the answer is a hundred percent yes the explosion of popularity of those magic teams not only here but internationally set the stage for like a ton of set the stage for a ton of uh economic impact for for the team um, and fandom that you know look at uh, magic uh, player history and, and the glide and all those like people that have been lifelong fans of the team uh, as a result of Shaq and Penny but it started with Shaq I mean just a crazy crash landing uh, Beatles like popularity for the Orlando Magic catching lightning in a bottle obviously there was the 30 for 30 doc and everything so is he deserving on that merit yes was there contention in the departure yes has that also now been wiped away over time yes so yeah the thing that doesn't make sense to me is starting with the amway arena when they did the banners and kind of that ring of honor where we i think you did we almost buy the maddie gukas one when they had the auction yeah we 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 have the maddie gukas one and by we i mean you uh man that i forgot that you actually still have that that's great uh that's great stuff and it should be on display somewhere maybe we'll create a ring of honor and sell tickets for it so had the ring of honor Moved to the new building, nothing. There's there's a history section in the new building. And then Magic Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame was supposed to be to recognize legendary contributors of the franchise because there was a standard in place that we would not retire a jersey until that person won a title. 
So why walk back? And and I'm not smart enough to know. Are there, are there any other franchises that do not have a single retired jersey? A couple others, right? It's the Clippers and the Raptors. Which the Raptors, I don't. I mean, I think Vince Carter should, but I'm hearing it's going to be Kyle Lowry whenever he retires, which is weird because I mean Kawhi, even though he won them their ring, like he was there one season basically. So, um, and then the Clippers don't have one because it's the Clippers. But yeah, uh, you can continue. So. We're not alone in that. I mean, theoretically, if you want to call it that, the Clippers and, and Raptors are going by the same standard, presumably, which is fine to have. I don't understand walking that back. And not to say he's not deserving. Now you talk about other people that may be more deserving to get their jersey retired first. We're longtime fans. We live in nostalgia. Here's my question to you regarding Nick Anderson, okay? And I love Nick. I don't love Nick on TV, but I love Nick. When you think about the enduring impact of Nick Anderson on the Orlando Magic franchise, you think Michael Jordan Steele, you think missed free throws in the finals derailing that series, you think three-pointer against the Lakers and, and chicken head dance after against Shaq, right? And, and, and games played longevity. That's what you're thinking. Does that in itself, those four enduring facets, warrant a retired jersey and warrant it ahead of Shaq, who was just, I, I, you can't even articulate what he meant to the franchise to put us on the map at that time. And, and being by virtue of that has made us one of the most popular teams. I, I know we've had a rough decade, but like we've been one of the most popular teams essentially since 1992 because of his impact yeah um i think it does warrant it because like shack that much like as a right like you you just can't dispute what he did yeah look with shack look the 30 for 30 there's a lot of factual stuff in the 30 for 30 but again it was produced by shack and penny so there's a lot of stuff that got kind of tweaked and we're never gonna really, really know like the DeVos, like Rich DeVos's side of it. Like John Gabriel's kind of shared stuff in the past, and Pat Williams has kind of shared about stuff in the past. But we're really, really not gonna know like a specific percentage, like who really, really fucked up. Like I still think Rich DeVos fucked up by lowballing Shaq and then basically chastising him for not taking the money, um, which he would then end up doing like a "Give me your heart" thing with like Dwight Howard, like oh, you know years later 15 years later basically or you know 16 years later but but uh <laughs> i think nick nick does deserve it look he was the first draft pick ever for us nick should have nick could have been an all-star if the magic weren't bad like he never averaged 20 points per game but twice he averaged 19.9 points per game so he was good enough there and then he was good enough to go to the side and hand the keys over to Shaq and then penny when the time came and he was still a damn good player like you know he's put up 50 point games like people remember Shaq you know tearing down the rim in New Jersey the first time um on Dwayne Shintz's you know like but it was Nick Anderson who dropped 50 points sick off the bench and was the reason why we ended up winning that game like you know and that's the funny thing with this is like Shaq's going first and he is overshadowing what is potentially and likely a bigger oh well a longer contributor maybe a better overall contributor to the franchise that nick has done because nick you know he's done it you mentioned like the shots and his moments and plays and 
and all that. But Nick being with the franchise, you know, in retirement for as long as he's been, that plays a factor. He does. He's done a lot for the community. We've seen him around in the community. Um, not to say that Shaq hasn't been very charitable. Shaq, Shaq's been very charitable at Orlando. Like, there's a lot of fans that are a lot younger than us that don't know that. They think Shaq, like, sold his house and, like, that's it. Like, he still donates a lot of time and especially like money and resources to this community more than any other former player has ever done. Like Dwight might've gotten close a couple times there for a bit, but like Shaq has done it since he's been, he was drafted by the magic, you know, and that was 30 over 30 years ago. Um, I think Nick does overall, I think Nick should have went first or maybe do them both together. Do both Nick and Shaq. I think cause the, cause the Ma- magic Twitter, and people from the global national media would say, oh, of course you would do Shaq first or whatever. But the longtime Orlando residents, the longtime Magic fans, the folks that have been here, I would bet you most of them would say Nick Anderson should be first more than any of the other guys who will talk about who else deserves to potentially go up there. But I'm fine with this you know, at the moment, but Nick should go up next year. Like if Nick doesn't go up, I have a big problem with that. And I'm concerned, though, because Alex Barnes did, like, an interview with on Brandon Kravitz's show on 96.9 The Game, whatever, where basically there's, like, a criteria for the jersey thing now, technically, the jersey retirement thing now. And one of them seems to be the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, which then that only means Tracy McGrady would then be the next guy that could go up. It couldn't be Penny. It wouldn't be Dwight until, you know, he, he retires because Dwight will definitely be a Naismith Hall of Famer. Um, assuming he gets by the legal issues that are coming his way or that are current, that he's currently dealing with right now. Um, but I think Nick deserves it. And I'm not mad at Shaq. I'm really not. Like, over the years, you know, I, you know, we've known each other for so long. Like, we both don't, did not like Shaq or hated Shaq for the most part. I don't like Shaq, but I don't hate Shaq. I'm fine with Shaq. I'm fine with him because he still has done a lot of good things in the community. Yeah, he backtracks a lot of comments that he made in the past and tries to spin things because he's very rich and he's got a huge like influence media-wise now that he can get away with it. And there's fewer of you and I around that exist, like longtime Orlando guys that actually lived all this and went through this. It was funny. I was reading uh, Mike Bianchi's like column about Shaq and whatever, and Brian Schmitz like with the drive-by like quote like no like not a fan of the Shaq retirement thing, but. It's stuff like that where it's the longtime fans either don't want Shaq at all to go up or he don't want him to go up first. I'm fine with him going up. I just didn't want him to go first, but I'm not going to I'm not going to really try and bitch and moan about it. I'm making my case for Nick to go first, but Nick needs to go up. And you know, I'll I'll give you the, you know the other guys that I think should go up, but I think McGrady's definitely going to go up especially now that he's a Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Famer, I think he's definitely going to go up. But Penny has to go up. Penny Hardaway has to go up. But it's tough because it's also, again, relationships with the family because Shaq's relationship with the family is better than Penny's relationship with the family. Um, But McGrady's got a great relationship with the family. Dwight doesn't have a great relationship with the family. So then it's like, well, it's going to be just Shaq and McGrady and then maybe Nick, maybe. Is that how that's going to go? And Penny is going to see a number one up there that's not his, which that's going to fucking hurt me if I see McGrady up there and not Penny. But 
you know, that's the other thing. Having waited this long, it's like if you look at 32, we had like C.J. Watson and like Justin Harper wear 32. We've had all these other guys wear number one. Um, you know, Vaughn Wafer, Deron Lamb, whatever. Like we've had all these other guys wear number one. Um, but yeah, who I, I'm going to say no to Vooch. Maybe Vooch comes back and helps us win a title. Then we can have that talk. But you know, Jameer, I'm a no. I think Daryl would deserve to go above Jameer in my book, even though Jameer was here for like a decade. I still value Daryl higher on that list, but I don't think ni- either of them goes up. I think it should be five guys that go up. It'd be Shaq, Nick, McGrady, Penny, and Dwight. But I think realistically right now, I think we're only looking at two. It's going to be Shaq, well, three. Realistically, three. It's going to be Shaq. Tracy and then probably Nick, but I that that's how I view it. I think it should be five. I think realistically we're looking at three, um, but I don't know. Martin's likes to Alex Martin's likes to lie and break promises, so who knows? But um, and maybe he you know stuff's gonna change within the ownership and organization and whatever. You know maybe because Shaq goes up, maybe he'll be like, hey, Penny's got to go up too because that was his sidekick, which I kind of hope he does which I hope he would do the same with Nick. Now, he'll say Dennis Scott, and I'll say, fuck off. Don't do that. But, um, yeah. All right, what do you think on the list and all that that I just said? Yeah, I, I disagree, I think, because you're a Penny guy. Yeah. I'm a McGrady guy. Yeah. Technically, you just said you would put McGrady in first before Penny. Well, I'd put them both up. I would put them up. Like, if you can do it together, fine. But, like... You have two number ones. Like I, I wouldn't like to make it look fair. I would put both up the same night. That's how I would do that. McGrady was the number one undisputed by virtue of injury. Four-year run, two-time All NBA, two-time scoring leader. Is that right? Four-time, four-time All-Star. Four-time All-Star. I think, I think it was more than two-time All NBA, but maybe all two-time All NBA first team. First team. Which was that's what Penny was. He was a four-time All NBA, but two-time All First Team. But so Penny, same accolades, little bit, little longer career. Effectively, that's a wash. You're not putting a jersey up. You're not putting up two number ones, and you're not putting up a number one with two names. So thereby, to me, I feel like it cancels out somehow. I, I don't think that either one will get a jersey retired. Also, again. Jonathan Isaac currently wearing the number one. I mean, not that anything would happen this year or next year anyway, but it's in use. I don't think Nick Anderson gets the nod. I think that he lives in the Magic Hall of Fame and has a dais for eternity. Like, and that's his, that's what he gets. The the next guy and the only other guy is going to be Dwight Howard. And, and I mean, whenever that time comes, technically not even a retired player yet. So... Uh, if Dwight's not in the Hall of Fame, it's a travesty. There's no way. I mean, he's not betting on games. Like, okay, so I to to me, it's going to be Shaq, it's going to be Dwight, and then it's going to be whatever next wave of players sticks around long enough and accomplishes enough to get their jersey hung. That's, to me, yeah, the two of our best players are number one and had essentially, if you go back and look, different circumstances, but the same career in, in a Magic jersey. So you can't if you're gonna do one, you got to do both. I don't know if you can do both. I don't know what the precedence is for past teams that have retired the same number. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened, but 
I mean, you kind of have, I, I feel like you have to, like, you, I, I mean, I guess you're right. Like you either retire one or both. I, or, well, you retire both or neither or one or neither, like one or neither, I guess. I don't know. Um, that's tough, man. Do you agree with the other omissions that I made though? With like, not even close to, to reaching that level. Is that? Okay. You and I can disagree on Nick. That's fine. Um, yeah. No, we love, I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. Love Nick. Um, well, of course we love the guy, but yeah, he, he should be up there. Um, that's the other thing is retiring jerseys. It's not about exterior eyes. It's, it's not for non fans that are you know, elsewhere in the NBA or globally or whatever. It's for us locally. And that's another defense for the Nick thing because us Orlando folks, like we know what Nick means to this franchise. We do. So, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So any other thoughts on the Hall of Fame stuff? I do have one other question for you before we get out of here. So Jason Concepcion kind of inspired this, but which Magic player of the past would you clone into their best Orlando version of themselves and add them to this current 2023-2024 Orlando Magic team? Um, you can factor in injuries or not right now. I don't know. But you're getting healthy versions of them. So I, I would assume it's down to – you're picking from four guys, Shaq, Dwight, Penny, or Tracy to put next to Paolo and Franz, basically. And for me, it's Penny from a biased perspective, but it's a six, seven point guard, which point guard is one of our biggest weaknesses. Now you can make a case literally for any of them. You could put McGrady next to them and have like the craziest big three in a while. You could put Shaq or Dwight next to them and have a dominant center that basically automatically guarantees you like a second round exit at worst in a postseason. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I'm going Penny just because I'm biased, but I, I genuinely think Penny, Penny's defense distribution, offense ability to just turn it on offensively, his clutch gene, like all that, I think factors in for me on that. But there's really no wrong answer for this. I'm going to give you a wrong answer. You're you're correct. Penny's the right answer. McGrady's interesting because then you're you're talking about three guys. I mean, Penny too can can do the same thing, but McGrady maybe to another level, just lankier, longer. Three dudes that can get wherever they want and also don't mind facilitating for each other would be crazy. But defensively, would be interesting too. Um, Dwight and Shaq also interesting, but if you're taking into if you're taking into account the way the game is played today, the Ish is is Orlando is Orlando prime Orlando Shaq that much better than any prime rim running rolling big right now for the way the game is played and the way our roster is constructed? I don't know. Here's my answer: Daryl Armstrong. Okay, prime captain Daryl Armstrong, thirty six, thirty seven percent from three. Daryl Armstrong coming in sharing that team leadership role with Paolo, steadying the backcourt either as the starting point guard or the six man like primary backup point guard. You could play him you could play him with Suggs. You could play him with Cole. He's not gonna shoot the ball that much. He's gonna facilitate like can you imagine if Prime Daryl is coming off the bench to steady the ship? That that wouldn't be too shabby. That's not a bad answer, honestly. That's pretty great. Um, I wouldn't hate it. God, could you imagine? Yeah, Daryl and fucking Suggs just terrorizing backcourts. That'd be insane. Um, 
I, I'm not touching that any more of that. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, the next pod that you'll hear from us, it might be either a solo one for me or I might get you involved, but I will be in the Northeast because I will have come back from Magic Knicks January 15th, MLK Day. So, uh, yeah, can't wait for that. But that's going to do it for this episode. If you're still listening, hopefully there's not too much background noise. We had a food truck guy come up here that, for a temporary pause. I'm not cutting that out. I'll let you guys figure out when that was. But, um, yeah, we thank you very much for your time. We are the longest-running Magic Podcast show in existence, so any added support is much appreciated. Subscribing, rating, uh, the show, positive comments, they all help this podcast ranking immensely. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. No C's, just S's. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go Magic.